Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right. Less surprise than last week, but there are tons of bits of bits and pieces of news to talk about after a rather eventful week three. First, give me Johnny Manziel or give me death. Second, missing quarterbacks are the difference in many games this week. And third, Brady and Rodgers are top-notch once again. Welcome to the 4th and 5 NFL Podcast. Folks, this is the 4th and 5 NFL Podcast. I'm your belligerent American host, Dylan Baker, with the much more on-edge at the moment, journalist and analyst, Jonathan Harding. Each week, we take a look at all the happenings in the National Football League and bring you the highlights from around the country. On and off the pitch, we'll keep you informed and entertained, albeit a little late. So turn off your live TVs with videos and people who are paid to do this sort of thing, and let's get started. Jonathan. I don't want you to say anything about that game right now. I don't want you to. We'll, we'll get to it. It still hurts. The wounds are still open. I just want to know whether I actually am on the board on on the on the prediction front. It's, uh, it's going to be a bit of a tough one. We'll uh, we'll have to check out those stats here in a little bit. Um, oh, keeping it tense. Keeping, keeping it, it tense. tense indeed. Got to drop the ball at the last moment. <laughs> oh, speaking of dropping the ball is the very first review that we're going to be doing this week, and that's Kirk Cousins and all of his cousins and the Washington Redskins lose 21-32 to to the New York Giants. Eli Manning, now I'm going to throw something at you real quick. We've got a couple of cool stats, John, uh, for this upcoming mm-hmm. uh, podcast, but here's one. Eli Manning has a fourth quarter lead, and he keeps it. Can you believe it? No. <laughs> Yeah, credit to him. Um, I think I was surprised at how disappointing Washington were, particularly in that final quarter. Um, but New York finally got it together. You know, I thought Odell Beckham probably had his best game of the season so far. It took him a couple of weeks to get into his stride, but and the same could be said for Manning. Um, necessary for them to get on the board. I think if Washington had gone, uh, sorry, if New York had gone this week and it had been zero and three then you're kind of looking at a season that's that's pretty much all over. Um, Washington 
maybe flattered to deceive in the opening couple of weeks and actually we should probably take this performance as something that it's going to be like for the rest of the season. So, no, I mean, as you say, I'm just surprised. I'm just surprised that they managed to hold on, but I think it was important for them. Well, and you know, you gotta, you gotta think that Giants fans, especially after all the, all the training camp whispers and rumors that were coming out that Manning and Odell Beckham Jr. really hadn't improved upon their, their sort of quarterback to receiver relationship. Uh, you know, Giants fans gotta be buzzing. You know, last week Beckham puts up, he puts up a good game yardage wise, but it didn't, you know, it was more like, um, it was more, uh, they were sort of insignificant catches. They were caught, but they didn't really matter. And in this one, he catches some big ones and, and still consistently can, you know, uh, he, he puts up yards for the second time, uh, in two weeks. So, you know, as, as a Giants fan, which neither of us are by any means, you gotta be buzzing right no. now, correct? You have to be, yeah, because you've been worried. I mean, one of my mates is a Giants fan. He was saying, I can't believe we're not 2-0 and after the first two weeks. It's just been dumb decisions, you know? You know, not deciding, you know, poor clock management um, and then poor decision-making has cost them both of the opening games. It's not that they were necessarily the worst team, um, but it's 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 important for them to finally get a win on the board, but also the manner of the victory. You know, it wasn't just a, they scraped it out. They deserve to win the game, and that's important going forward, definitely. Well, and, and what a time for, you know, a team like Washington to come up on the Giants. You know, Washington, you know, they they don't put up, they start well, but in neither game did yeah. they start convincingly. So not only is this a good game for the Giants to go out and assert their dominance, but it's also a good game for the Redskins to be, I mean, if not to put it too harshly, but to kind of be put back in their place. Yeah, I mean, as I say, I think it, this is the type of game that we're going to have to expect from the Redskins this season as opposed to what we saw in Week 1 and Week 2. I think we were probably generous uh or at least they were generous in their performance right. um uh don't think that that'll be the case for the rest of the season one thing about the giants that may be a bit of a concern is when they come up against sides that can shut down their their passing game because as you said or you noted their rushing yards is, is still or well, their rushing games is still a bit of a problem um washington seemed to stop that so they couldn't stop them in the air i think if they come up against a side that are going to cause some problems on the ground, then um, it, it could be a problem for the Giants if they only have their air option and it doesn't click. Well, and speaking about another team that's you know uh, that's going to need a little bit more consistent help from the the, the running game is uh, both the Cincinnati Bengals and the Baltimore Ravens. Which uh, it, it, another thing that I have to throw out there is that two weeks in a row, John, we've seen Dalton. Uh, come out and really have a good performance, you know, in a 28 to 24 win over Flacco. Uh, you know, at, he goes out and he gets big numbers. He's got AJ Green that has an outstanding performance. But again, we, we have to take a look at the sort of, uh, the sort of accuracy uh, of Andy Dalton and, and the way that he throws the ball. You know, if Green, if Green has a l- slightly less great performance, then the the Bengals lose this game. So is this something that Dalton's going to have to improve on immediately? I don't know. He did throw a career high three eight three yards in this game. So I mean, he's going to have to he's going to have to be pretty happy with that. Of course, you can't expect AJ Green to be a monster every week. He's going to have to improve and have to look at making sure that he connects with other receivers that he's got other options. But if AJ Green can keep making relatively big plays. Um, then the Bengals are going to continue to upset people. I mean, 
I don't think many people would have thought the Ravens would have lost this one. Uh, we'll talk about their issues in a moment, but Andy Dalton, if I if I've got this right, he went into the game as the only quarterback without a turnover or a sack. I'm pretty sure really? he threw. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure he threw one, um, and uh, he fumbled and he got sacked in the game. So those well, all those stats one. came to an end. <laughs> yeah, all those stats came to an end. But and I know that sounds impressive, but actually in reality we've only had two weeks, so it's not that impressive. But it's Andy Dalton, so it is kind of impressive because I don't think we ever expected him to get through the first two weeks of the season without doing something well, bad. Well, I think it's but, a good shout for the for the Bengals' offensive line, which over the course of the past three or four years has has vastly improved. Uh, you know, if if you can protect a guy like Dalton who can get a little bit jittery when he's standing in the pocket. It's. I think it's a good note that in in you know almost three full games they they can protect him from from getting sacked. Absolutely, but you, I mean credit to to those guys, but also credit to Dalton and credit to Hugh Hugh Jackson, the offensive coordinator down there. Uh, he's been making decisions that have worked for Dalton, and Dalton has gone on and, and worked with them. And he's starting to make plays, you know, in reliable situations, he's making good decisions. You know, the biggest thing that Bengals fans always said was that they were annoyed that he never made the right decision or he was always poor under pressure. In the early signs or the early weeks, the signs are he's not making bad decisions. And that can only be encouraging because, as we said in a couple of our earlier pods in in the preseason, this season is basically his last shot. So, so far, so good. Yeah, I think that's a I think that's a fair shout indeed. And again, you know, I if I remember correctly, which I'll have to look over the notes here uh here sometime soon, but I believe I believe I called Cincinnati to win, but not quite like this, you know, and 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 not quite so close, you know. It was uh I mean, I thought it was a great game. Uh, another big shout out to the Cincinnati defense. You know, Justin Forsett is nothing to be laughed at uh, as a running back, but I mean, the defense absolutely shut down Joe Flacco's run support. And, uh, you know, they left it all up to a slightly above average quarterback to try and seal this win. And he couldn't, you know, I, I think that, I think that speaks volumes to, you know, the defensive unit at, uh, on the whole. I mean, they came back. Yeah, it, it does. They, the Ravens came back to, to reduce the deficit. And it was, as you say, a very entertaining game, but, um, they have a lot of work to do, the Ravens. Uh, and, it's the first time in franchise history that they've started a season 0 and 3. So, I mean, you got to you got to you got to be concerned if you're a Ravens fan. You know, you're you're right to point out Justin Forsett is not having a bad season, but you can't rely on him and neither is Steve Smith, but he's not exactly the youngest wide receiver in the ranks and if he's your go-to and Joe Flacco is your quarterback and he's not performing. Um, I mean, he, he threw for 350 yards, but he, he's not, he's not looking like he normally does. You know, right. he doesn't have the killer instinct. And I think that's the problem. And they keep losing, you know, Oh, and three is not a, not a situation that the team are used to being in. Well, and I, and just real quick before we move on to the next one, because I think, I, I think this is going to be, I think this is an interesting question to be asked. Uh, you know, I think it was last season where Steve Smith was picked up by the Baltimore Ravens, and it was this season that Torrey Smith was, uh, you know, decided to be, you know, uh, the Ravens decided to get rid of him and, and trade him off to your Niners. Um, so with Steve Smith announcing at the beginning of the season that this was indeed his last season, 
you know, you, you've got a guy like Joe Flacco who's probably looking at around his, at his receiving core and thinking, uh, what am I supposed to do with this? You know, uh, it, yeah. were either of those decisions to either stick by Steve Smith or let Tory Smith go wise by the Ravens administration? I think sticking with Steve Smith was a good decision because he's been pretty good. I mean, he he was – I thought he was pretty good against the, the Bengals. I, you got that experience. It's just a problem for the Ravens because he's isolated on his own. I would never have let Tory Smith go because if Steve Smith really does retire at the end of the season, and to be fair, he's he's more than in the best position to do so. He's put in the years. Um, then you basically left Flacco – in some serious trouble because he hasn't really got any go-to. So I think letting Torrey Smith was a, a mistake, really. Letting him go was a mistake. A couple of different issues to sort out on the offense. But we must move on to another Oakland win and another great performance by Derek Carr with no interceptions. Uh, Oakland takes on the Cleveland Browns at home, and they come out with a win, 27-20. to 20. Uh, Again, Carr comes out with a big one. Josh McCown, on the other hand, after getting the starting shout uh, after returning from injury, uh, not so hot. Uh, will we be seeing Manziel back sooner than expected? One would hope so. Yeah, you have to really. You have to. Um, I I don't understand why. Well, we talked about it last week. You know, Josh McCown gives us the best chance to win football games. Really? Does he? I mean, how long do you you keep someone like Manziel on the sidelines before he blows well, up and again? How much more you know, evidence he, he, do you need than this? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, he he's a, he, Josh McCown is is an average quarterback, right? But he and he performed averagely, he did okay against the Raiders. But there's not much point in playing him if you have someone like Johnny Manziel in your team. That's only going to get better. I feel like Josh McCown has hit his ceiling, um, and for the future of the franchise, you've got to ask yourself: we can't really be losing to the Raiders if we want to be improving and we want to take steps forward. Um, that's nothing against the Raiders. I thought, as you said, Derek Carr was great. Amari Cooper was great. Um, hands up. I predicted that. Thanks very much. Um, <laughs> but from a Browns perspective, you know, you've got to start thinking about the future of the franchise. And if this is going to be another season of development, then develop the right players. I think the Browns have probably been thinking about the future of their franchise for decades now, uh, and this is when yeah, but they finally got a position <laughs> something to do about it, right? You know? Right, and and this I think is going to be a big deciding factor of what we see out of the Cleveland Browns for the next ten years is how much time Manziel gets, you know, in in the pocket and uh, and how well he does with it. You know, if he comes out and he has a twenty five hundred yard season, a three thousand yard season, based on how many games he plays. Then this could be this could be the real start of a resurgence. Uh, you know, uh, the Browns' defense didn't really show up and allowed the Oakland Raiders twenty-seven points. But at the same time, you know, not only do you have Derek Carr throwing two without any interceptions, but you've also got a huge game out of Latavius Murray, first big one uh, of the entire season. So at some point in time, even if you do allow twenty-seven points, you can't chalk it up to defensive errors. You've got to get more out of the offense, and that's just not going to come. With, with with Josh McCown, there are other problem players that you can point at. Isaiah Crowell is not a franchise running back, but it it has to start somewhere. And and honestly, with a ready replacement that's already done well for you, that's got to start with McCown and and getting him getting him back on the bench. Couldn't agree more. All right, next one on. Next one on. 
We've got the New Orleans Saints, the other McCown, also losing. Yep. The first time that the McCown a- brothers have started on the same game week. Huge, romantic, sentimental piece put on several different sporting websites, and then they both lose. Oh, my goodness gracious. <laughs> so he Boy. shows his accuracy. He only misses six of his 37 passes, but he just can't seem to put it away in the end. Uh, I mean, oh, this is going to be the start of a couple of different conversations where we talk about franchise quarterbacks being out. Um, the New Orleans Saints weren't playing well anyway. How much worse is it going to get without Breeze? Well, let's, let's, be, let's be honest here. Luke is better than Josh. I mean, if you call better going from average to marginally above average, then yes, agreed. I thought he was um, pretty good, Luke McCowan, considering this is the first time he started since 2011. Not easy fair, on the kid. Fair. But I, I think also in comparison with his brother, um, I think that they put 22 points on the board and they only lost the game because Greg Olson was a beast. Um I don't think it was necessarily Luke McCown. I mean, yeah, okay, he was he did make some mistakes, but it's hardly to be decided to not. You, know, you can kind of expect that kind well, of. Well, when you only miss six um, passes, there's only so much that you can chalk up to mistakes, unless it's exactly, unless it's right? not being yeah. able to put the ball in the end zone, which, to be fair, he wasn't or he couldn't. Yeah, he couldn't. But for a guy that is coming in as a backup, if he only missed missed six passes, I think you've got to be pretty pleased with his efforts. Um, sure. You can't you can't ask too much of these people. I, I think it's un, unfair sometimes. I mean, maybe you know if if we're talking two three weeks down the line and he's still playing, then maybe you can ask him to to do a bit more. But the the main reason the Saints lost is just their defense. Um, they don't have a secondary, or at least it appears that they don't. Um, they gave up two fifty fifty plus yard catches. I mean, you, it's just like that's like someone out of Madden. You know, when you're playing and you're like, oh. That's great. We got him on third and twenty, and then the QB throws a fifty-yard bomb and you just throw the controller out the out the window. You know? Well, and credit has so, to be given to Newton. He had he had a fine game, a fine game after spending two weeks that uh, you know we we've almost kind of slated him for subpar performances. He goes he goes and takes takes control of this one. Yeah, he does. Cam Cam was uh, Cam was impressive. Uh, I have to say, I I mean you kind of. He was impressive, but my biggest problem is that the Saints made him look like Superman. You know, I, and I think that's that's the problem. And Brandon Browner has not been the Brandon Browner that we know, um, and that's a bit of a problem because if Ted Ginn Jr. is going to beat you and pull your pants down, then you know you've got some question marks. Indeed, indeed. Um, big ones. Yeah, seriously. And I think Sean Payton is... He's probably, I don't want to sound thin ice, but the guy's got a lot of problems to solve. And, you know, even when Drew Brees comes back, are they going to win games? I'm not so I mean, sure. They really didn't whenever he was, whenever he was, uh, you know, in the squad. So I, I think I have to agree with you. This Saints team is, uh, is, has fallen far from their, from their Super Bowl victory. Um, and it, it, do, it doesn't seem like anyone's really grasping a hold of anything. No, there's no one stepping up, you know, no one's saying, right, we need to change the situation, we need to we need to be better. And they haven't, you know, a couple of these teams in the NFL, when we talk about them, you say like, oh, they're not playing well, they're, they're losing form, you talk about the Ravens, we talk about the Browns, at least when we talk about those those teams, there are a couple of players on each team where you think, yeah, but they've got leaders, they've got performers, you know, Joe Hayden, 
or even you know Johnny Manziel trying to trying to be one of those guys at the Browns or had the Ravens you've still got Steve Smith Jr you've still got Justin Forsett Joe Flacco at the Saints it's like okay Drew Brees right cool right period paragraph um, seriously what like you know you have to really ask yourself the decision to let Jimmy Graham go is bonkers oh my goodness um, we'll be talking about this seriously and I know, and, and it's, really, it's a legitimate thing to mention because not only, I mean, what are you going to get? You're going to get draft picks, but that's a future, a future decision, a future you know? And maybe, sort of. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, a possi- it's a possibility that could go well, but it's a possibility that could go terribly wrong. So just a lot of risks and a lot of problems. I mean, it's not no fun being a Saints fan right now. And I mean, I can't talk, obviously, because we're going to get to that <laughs> in a bit, but still, still, concerns. Big ones indeed. And it's going to be interesting to see when Breeze does come back. How long, you know, based on his performance, how long Sean Payton stays? I mean, this may be, this may be the end of a, of a run that's kind of declined ever since the Super Bowl win. But enough on the Saints. Let's move on to an interesting little game. The Atlanta Falcons take on the Dallas Cowboys at home. This is a great game. This a is a great, great game. game. And a heck of a comeback by the Atlanta Falcons. And, and really great performances by either side. You know, the, the Falcons take home the win 39-28, to 28, but this is the Cowboys without Tony Romo. Uh, without question. You know, Brandon Whedon comes in, and don't get me wrong, he doesn't play poorly, but the whole entire reason that, the, that this game is even as close as it is is because Joseph Randall shows up and plays out of his freaking mind. But so too does Devonta, Devonta Freeman. I mean, oh goodness, you know, there's. It's funny because it harkens back to the conversation that we had last week, where you made the case for a couple of different quarterbacks, saying that accuracy doesn't matter so long as the passes that you're throwing are touchdowns. And this is now the second game in a row between Luke Cowan and uh, and Brandon Whedon, where accuracy is huge for yardage, huge for statistics, uh, but there's no bite in the end zone. Uh, I mean. I almost don't even know what to say about this Dallas team without Romo and Des Bryant. I mean, you've got a guy like Randall who can, you know, help out with three scores, but you know he's not going to do that every week. Where does, I mean, where does this team go from here? Well, it's tough, you know. You you can't, I wouldn't necessarily say it's all Brandon Whedon's fault. Um, the Dallas the Dallas team were pretty good in this game. Oh, I think sure. the problem was that the, the defense... Let them oh, down. you don't put up 40 um, points and throw the blame at somebody else, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? And I think you're right to say that Brandon Whedon doesn't have any bite in the red zone. But at halftime, I think everybody was thinking, oh, it doesn't really matter, you know? <laughs> the Cowboys are doing well. Um, and I think that they've got a long list of injuries and suspensions and problems and people out. And even on the defensive side of the ball, it's just so long that we would have to des- dedicate a pod to talking about all of it. But so I wouldn't necessarily blame Whedon in all the way, but it is going to be difficult if he's not helped because a lot of people will just pin it on him and they'll say, well, you know, Tony Romo's not there. That's obviously right. the reason the Cowboys are losing. Right. Um, but pause. Julio Jones. Oh, this is, oh, this is what, three out of three for ridiculous performances out of this kid? Oh, just The best way to summarize it is he has 34 catches which is the most ever through three weeks in NFL history. The guy was insane. Um, Again, (laughs) 
He obviously listens to the podcast because, you know. <laughs> well, he, mu- no, we, he yeah. must not because because every single time we give a shout to somebody with a good performance, uh, they go out and have a terrible one. So Julio Jones, no smartphone, running around with a flip phone, does not pay attention to TVs or radios, none of that. No, I think he probably just said the preseason pod where we were saying, <laughs> oh, that's a lot of money. The guy is a beast. And you got to ask, I mean, are there any better receivers in the NFL <coughs> at the moment? <coughs> Excuse me. In, in, <coughs> in form. In form. I mean, Antonio Brown has been very good through week one and two. Uh, I don't know. You kicked a lot of field goals, huh? Um, hey, hey. So, <laughs> hey, you won the game. I wouldn't be complaining. But um, Julio Jones just insane. I mean, the guy... Uh, and on that on that note, you know, let's just let's just say kudos to Matt Ryan as well. I've always thought he was a very accurate QB. He made some excellent decisions in this win. The fact that they were able to turn it around shows exactly the type of character he is. And I'm sure that we've got to talk about Devonta Freeman because they didn't have Tevin Coleman, and everyone was like, "Oh, they're running game stuff." Um, well, Devonta Freeman ran for 141 yards and three touchdowns. So the Falcons are three and zero. And who would have thought that that would have been the case? Really, I mean, well, three and zero, and resoundingly so. It, it's this yeah. is going to be a team to watch, I think, for this upcoming season because as they continue to improve, you know, we talked about at the beginning, you know, no rush game in week one. They've got no rush yards in week two, but uh, both Coleman and Freeman go for go for a touchdown, put you know twelve points between them, and then now Coleman's gone, and then they get twenty one points. I mean, this is a scary. Atlanta team and don't get me wrong you know this has also been a team that has found their way into the playoffs the past two years but at the same time at season's beginning never has this Atlanta team looked as good as it does now not since like the big Vic days I think you're you're right and um you got to give some credit to Dan Gwynn who's the new coach and the fact that Carl Shanahan is there as the offensive coordinator they've obviously finally got a game plan that is making the Falcons not only more exciting, but more successful. And, you know, Matt Ryan, always been a fan of him, really. Um, finally got it going on. And I think if he's never really been disregarded in that sense, but he's finally able to have variation on offense. And, you know, Falcons, you have to say, if they were to come up, we're thinking about when we played them in the playoffs and our run to the Super Bowl, fine, the, the Super Bowl, you, you, you got to say that if we played them in that situation again, they would absolutely trounce us. So that, I mean, it does say a lot about where we are, but it also says a lot about where the Falcons are and how far they've come. Oh, absolutely. And like I say, you know, uh, what an exciting game this was. And so sad I am to move on to such a horrendously boring game that was the Tampa Bay-Houston match. Um, uh, you know, Tampa Bay put up their nine points to Houston's 19 Uh Oh, good. That's that's all we need to say. Let's go. Uh, yeah, no. I mean, the only the only real shout or the only real note that I have on this game is uh, we called last week for a running back to step up in Houston. And uh, if there's anybody that does listen to this pod, it must have been Alfred Blue. Uh, I believe he had a touchdown and somewhere around 130, 140 yards. I mean, it, for a for a team where neither quarterback played well, and accuracy absolutely trashed Jameis Winston and his performance. Uh, you know, Ryan Mallett goes out and has a relatively quiet game. You need to have a difference maker in order to go out and get a win. And that, I mean, quite honestly and, and truthfully, quite surprisingly, was was Alfred Blue. Yeah, Alfred Blue was basically the reason that the Texans won the game. You said it. Jamie Swinston throws a lot but doesn't throw well and is basically still learning 
about how to to do all of those things. Um, the problem is that neither of these side ha- sides have a, has a functioning offense, really. I mean, Ryan Mallett was quiet, but he's basically like Blaine Gabbert. Like, Ooh, I know all about Blaine Gabbert. Cause, I don't know. But he is. I don't know. I mean, when you look at how he performs, he's extremely bland. You know, he's just like, oh, I'll just do this and that. And there's nothing exciting. He was okay. Yeah. I, um, the only thing that I have to say, and it could just be, I know I mentioned it last pod, but it could just be because I read the article where uh, I believe it was NFL. No, it wasn't NFL.com. It was somebody, somebody way more opinionated than NFL.com, you know, put together a, <laughs> uh, put together a list of the 50 worst quarterbacks in each franchise's history. And uh, to be honest with you, Brandon Gabbard made the list for Jacksonville. And I don't know if Ryan Mallett's going to, not while Brandon Carr's still in recent memory. No, that's fair enough. I don't know. Blaine Gabbert's not that bad. He's. I mean, I just think that they're. Yeah, I know, but <laughs> there have been a lot worse QBs. You know, fair, fair. he hasn't butt fumbled anything. So I mean, let's, let's give it that. <laughs> well, and with no butt fumbles in either of these games, nor by Blaine Gabbard, that's really all I've got to say about it. Same. Yeah. All right. On to the next one then. Kind of an odd one. Indianapolis goes out and they get their first win. Finally, a crazy game's a charm. I called it. The Colts actually won. I'm ecstatic. I was close, but it was I was close. It was it was close. But I think I have a better term. It was gross. Yeah, it was. It really, really was. It was. It was not a good game. Nobody wanted to defend in this game. <laughs> no, no. That's the only um, reason it was 35-33. Neither offense looked on point. You got to give Marcus Mariota some credit for coming back and making it fair, a close game. Um, but yeah, there's a great stat about him. He's the um, the only QB of the Super Bowl era since Jay Cutler and Mark Rippon to start their careers with multiple touchdown passes in three consecutive oh, games. Really? Yeah, interesting, interesting stat indeed. Um, Jay Cutler and Mark Rippon. I don't know how you feel about being in that company. Well, exactly, um, exactly. See him six years from now, you almost hope that he's not like Jay Cutler or Rippon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, the Colts, one, they haven't fixed their issues. The fact they conceded 33 points against the Titans tells you everything you need to know about that fact. You can't let them score 33 points and think that you've you've sorted out your problems. But I think for them, it was just a case of get the W however we can. Um, the value of Frank Gore finally comes to the fore. Uh, that rhymes. Thanks very much. Um, <laughs> I was about to say, you must have been excited to at least watch that from a former player. Uh, excited and also very sad um, that he's a former player now, still. <laughs> uh, um, but, you know, they were 27-14 down the Colts and everyone was thinking, oh God, Andrew Luck finally looking like, okay, he's come back and he basically turned the game around and in the fourth quarter he was he was the Andrew Luck that we sort of know um, and it'd be interesting to see whether he can take that forward next week but uh, you then you're in a leading position and then you basically it gets tight again uh, I mean it's not encouraging but as I say at least they've got the W and they've they needed that for the first time in a, in a long time and they haven't really been impressive but the Titans should take a lot of heart from that they scored 33 points against a side that many people thought was going to go and win the Super Bowl uh, so. it seems each each and every day like many people is turning into perhaps just you and I 
Hey, well, there are only seven people listening to this podcast, so fair, that's fine. Fair, and surely they disagree with us, but we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll leave it off at that. Again, not much to say about that one other than gross performances. You would think that the W alone would be enough for the Indianapolis Colts to sort of bring that into the upcoming weeks, but that does indeed remain to be seen. The Tennessee Titans have a bye week. Uh, we got more to say about the bye week here at the, at the, uh, at the end of the podcast, but moving on to... Oh, I I almost don't even want to say this one out loud. Jacksonville, a week to win, something that you never, ever see out of Jacksonville, winning early. And then they just absolutely get beat up on by Tom freaking Brady. 51 yeah, I think when I said, to 17. Oh, I think when I said 6 and 10, I was really optimistic. Um <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, at least with performances yeah. like this, and I mean, you, you you've been the stats guy for the past couple of games, so I've got one for you here. Um, not a single punt for the New England Patriots. Wow. Not one over the course of the entire game. That is guess, absolutely incredible. Even if you are playing I guess you Jacksonville Jaguars, that's still incredible. I, I guess you don't score fifty points though uh, mm-hmm. if you punt, right? Uh-huh. So you got to. But there's still, that is absolutely monstrous. And he's now in the 400 TD club, which is also crazy, isn't he? It's just crazy. I mean, 50 points is just relentless. And Jacksonville are always going to find it tough. But I think it, it went exactly as they, they didn't want to. You know, they didn't make it hard for New England. And um, so if I got this right, they haven't started as well as this uh, in in their in their history, I don't think, in the first three weeks. The the Bill Belichick era, everyone was saying, "Oh well, maybe you've got to." There are some questions, and I'm not sure. And blah, 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 but um, it's not just the best offense in the NFL. Um, as I say, this that is it's 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 looking like it's pretty astounding. It's gonna be. I mean, uh, I don't know. They they could go on and be monstrous this season, and that's kind of concerning for the rest of the league. But then. You look at the Super Bowl win last year and you think, well, it's kind of surprising, you know, because you didn't really expect them sure, to be in sure. and around it because you, you, there were a lot of other teams that were in there. And then you watch them this week and um, this season and you kind of think, why did I ever doubt them? You know, they're <laughs> just a monster team. Well, and I think another big shout has to go to LeGarrette Blunt. You know, he puts up a big three there in the end zone. Doesn't quite eclipse 100 yards, but, you know, three TDs, 18 points for the guy who's been shopped between teams, finds his way back to the Patriots. You know, with the start that Deion Lewis has, you don't think that he's actually going to get a shout, LeGarrette Blunt. And then he goes out and says, you know what, I can still pound it in from 10 yards out. Uh, you know, this seems like a complete know, offense. But- but Blunt is a guy who still fumbles the ball yeah, for me. Yeah, agree. So that's agree. only that's Whereas Dion Lewis, Dion Lewis is probably the best running back that the Patriots have had for a really long time. So I would be tempted to to stick with him given the option. I mean, having two different types, Blunt is more of a crusher, whereas Lewis has definitely got the agility in certain situations. It's never a bad thing, and it's kind of scary that the Patriots have have a dual running game option. Because when you think of the Patriots, you never think of a running no, game. not but, a good one. Especially here here in the past six, seven years. 
Yeah, exactly. But they have that now, and that's why the rest of the league should be very worried. <laughs> Indeed. Now, if only they could get a couple of marquee receivers in their receiving core. Oh, wait, Julian Edelman, Rob Gronkowski, son of a gun. Yeah. All of a sudden, the Steelers uh, have some competition. And Danny Amendola, let's not forget. Mm. You know, he's not that nah, not, not Not too bad. I'll, I'll have to give Amendola that. All right, on to the next one. San Diego drops to the Minnesota Vikings. Now, when I tell you the scoreline is 14 to, uh, for San Diego, and then Minnesota puts up 31, you might you might be saying, hey, Bridgewater finally gets his big standout performance. But no, actually, it comes back to age-old, old, reliable Adrian Peterson. Both Teddy Bridgewater and uh, Philip Rivers, they're both kind of absent for this one. But, uh, you know, AP puts up 130 yards and two touchdowns. Minnesota sealed the win uh, with a, you know, a big pick six, 91 yards from Chad Greenway. Um this is three weeks in, John, and we still haven't seen as much improvement out of Teddy Bridgewater as what we had hoped. Is he still a bit of a rookie quarterback, or is there a bit more maturation that you expect this upcoming season? No, I think he's a little bit further on the road than uh, everybody else. It just wasn't the type of game in which he could necessarily impress. I thought the reason they won the game was the defense. Um in, in particular, Everson Griffin. You look at this guy's numbers, right? Six tackles, two sacks, and a pass defended. Uh, monster performance and I think it's probably one of the reasons why Philip Rivers was never really able to get going um, and if you have a performance like that from from your defense then it kind of overshadows the QB because he wasn't necessarily on point but Adrian Peterson when you have someone like that in the team you know you can always rely on him to get it done you know he he, he definitely knows how to pound the rock and they did that and I would never have thought that they would have doubled up the Chargers score to win this game the Vikings I thought they might have been close but I think I predicted the Chargers to win, of course, because <laughs> I'm really good at this game. As, uh, as are we both. <laughs> <laughs> but I wouldn't be too worried about Bridgewater, no. I mean, it's just one of those weeks. I mean, he, he he's going to – I think he's a little bit further along than a couple uh, other from his other QBs from his class. But I think this season will be, will be pretty important for him. It, it just depends on whether he can make strong decisions in games where Peterson isn't playing well. You know, and it comes down to his performance alone. Can he be the difference? Well, there? and for a young quarterback, how how awesome is it? Not only just to have like, not only to have the experience of playing with Adrian Peterson, but also as you're trying to grow and mature as a as a big time starting QB in a in a city that kind of needs uh, uh, you know a franchise quarterback. How how helpful is it that you have such a you know a conceivably consistent running game behind you at all times? You know, the pressure is never going to be on you unless Adrian Peterson doesn't perform. And of the times that Adrian Peterson hasn't performed, you know, you might be able to count him. You might be able to count him on both hands, you know, in the last three seasons in which he's played. Yeah, definitely. I think it's huge. Uh, And I can only really make the comparison with the Niners. I think when Cap started, having Frank Gore there was huge for him. It's the same kind of effect. You need someone who's experienced and knows the offense and knows that really they're the man and um, yeah it's interesting what what Frank Gore has said about Andrew Luck since since joining the Colts because there's obviously a difference there in, in leadership despite the fact they've both been <coughs> excuse me uh, they've both been in the league relatively similar times um, I think having that experience in the running back position makes a big difference and Bridgewater having someone to take the heat off him is massive for him going forward. 
it means that when he does perform, it gets blown up because, you know, Peterson is always there and he's reliable. But Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. When he doesn't, it's not necessarily the end of the world, and I think that will help his development. Yeah, and I think this this particular scoreline is rather indicative of the doesn't really matter effect uh, of of his yep. non performances. Uh, moving on once again to the Philadelphia Eagles, who finally get their first win uh, against the New York Jets, which again isn't really saying much. Twenty four to seventeen. Oh no, no, at the moment it is. At the moment, I mean, it it's it, it's just kind of like with the Colts. It's it's good that they got their win. It came against a semi crap team. I think the Jets are a lot more crap than Tennessee is. But you know, it, it's important that they go out and get the W here. But it, it it wasn't necessarily convincingly so. You know, when when Darren Sproles, who has fallen, what I personally to believe far from the from the starting running back role especially you know when DeMarco Murray who's played terribly you know gets injured and Sproles has to step up in that position you know I I think it's highly indicative of of the of the Eagles squad that it's Darren Sproles who's the difference maker you know he gets he gets himself a, a rushing touchdown and a punt return but he only puts up 17 yards on 11 carries and somehow some way the Eagles eke out a eke out a victory here I mean to be honest with you it's I don't. It's going to be interesting to see what you think whenever the Philadelphia Eagles come up to the predict the record game. But uh, this does not look like a, a an above five hundred level team right now. No, Chip Kelly's experiment is not exactly bubbling over in a positive sense. I mean, Ryan Matthews. Let's see, Ryan Matthews. You know, Darren Sproles might have had a couple of touchdowns, but not very many yards. Ryan Matthews went over a hundred yards, so it's odd. But no, Demarco Murray. No problem, really. It was kind of one of those situations like for the now. Eagles, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's weird. It's almost like they don't need him. Um, but that's that's not a bad thing. Uh, it would just be a bit of a problem in, in the dressing room, I guess, as the season goes on if he doesn't step up. But it, it sort of came down to one sort of situation. I felt like if Brandon Marshall had caught that pass from Fitzpatrick uh, late on in the game, then maybe maybe things are different, and maybe the Jets go down and score, and it's and it's a closer game. Um, but much like the Giants, they needed a W, the Eagles, and they have that now. Uh, and it will be decisive, really, uh, for the rest of their season, how they take take this form on into next week. Well, in, in another game already, Sam Bradford is practically non-existent. The beard, 
uh, is a little bit less fearsome uh, than what he has been in week one and two. Uh, the big the big shout for this game has to go to Philadelphia for nabbing three picks off of Fitzpatrick, who has had in weeks one and two uh, a, a big start. But again, you know, I, we both said it, you know, uh, the biggest note to take from this game is simply that the Eagles are not on point. They go out and they get a, uh, they get a W against a team that is relatively easy to get a win against. And it's not looking so hot in Philly right now. No, uh, you're right. You're right. Um, uh, Sam Bradford is one of those experiments that needs to <coughs> come, come, come true or come, come right very quickly uh, because you can't do anything without a functioning QB as much as you might have three running backs who are keen. You can only really play one of them at a time. All right, so moving on to the next one, which we'll spend less time on because it was the lowest scoring game. Uh, but it's your it team. It is my team. And there is a big note that we have to talk about that everybody wants to talk about. Um, but there's, uh, you know, when, when rush yards are low. But it was a good game. <laughs> well, when rush yards are low, pass yards are low, the scoring is low. Uh, you know, Foles can't get it together. Vic is scarily kind of worthless. You know, yes, he does go five for six. And he does get his 38 yards, but it was more for a closeout. We'll see how he does next week against the Ravens. We'll talk about that later. The one thing I want to talk about in this particular matchup, Big Ben goes down. We know now that, you know, Tomlin comes out and says, you know, it, it's an it's an undecided amount of time. Ben will come back whenever Ben is ready to come back. But the general consensus is somewhere between four to six weeks. Now, this is week three. We'd be looking at somewhere between seven and nine. Of all the big names that have fallen here recently, you know, and we've talked about some big ones. We've talked about Des Bryant and Tony Romo. Uh, you know, uh, there are there are big names that are going down. Is this the most impacting? On the team, yes, um, because Pittsburgh is not Pittsburgh without Ben, and if he's not there, then uh, you basically, if he doesn't come back to week nine, then I think the season could be pretty much right on the balance uh, in the balance and uh, he's going to have to come in and be heroic Big Ben in the final few weeks for them to salvage a playoff well, spot we're helped by the fact that the Ravens are, are absolute garbage right now but you know, with the way that the Bengals... Yeah, but they'll be rubbing their hands at this <laughs> Right, piece. right. Well, and I mean, with, with the way that the Bengals are playing, if the Bengals can keep up their sort of form, then the AFC North is in Cincinnati this year. But this sort of wild card playoff spot between the Steelers, depending on how Vic comes in and plays, uh, which we have an offense that is completely against uh, the way that Vic normally plays, uh, and, and how well the Ravens pick themselves up by their bootstraps is going to be, I mean, this is a playoff spot that's highly up for grabs at the moment. Yeah, and that's the problem for you guys because you don't want it to be up for grabs because if it is, oh, then no. you're not going to be the one, you're not going to be the ones jumping highest without Big Ben. So, um, it's a problem. I think if you can still be in the mix by the time he comes back, then I'd be happy, but I wouldn't be surprised if you weren't. No, me either. You know, we do have a dynamic offense. I think Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown are going to continue to perform regardless of who's under the pocket, just because they're quality players. But at the same time, and this could be this this could be a very sad indictment for the Pittsburgh Steelers, who I mean, for the most part, have started off the season pretty well, in my opinion. Yeah. Definitely. But let's stop talking about good stuff. Let's stop being happy right now, uh, Mr. Harding. <laughs> let's go straight into bitter, pathetic sadness. The San Francisco 49ers 
None touchdowns through who we thought was a reformed Colin Kaepernick. San Francisco 7 at home hosting a 47-point Arizona Cardinals. Now, we talked about an oddly scary team in the Atlanta Falcons, but the Arizona Cardinals, another set of birds who are flying high at the moment, week one to week three, the difference in this game, of course, you know, you let up almost 50 points. But the big difference here is Colin Kaepernick. Four interceptions and no touchdowns. John, I'm just going to I'm gonna put myself on mute real quick. You got a few minutes. Just get it off your chest, bud. Let's just talk about this. <laughs> put me in the chair. Well, it's just very sad. Um, you have to say that we, you got to remember that we've been good for quite a few years now. And uh, Jim, Jim Harbour did a great job with us and he was a really good coach. And I think that's what upsets me the most is that Jed York has not exactly made some very good decisions for the franchise. And if it wasn't for him, then I think we'd still have one of the best coaches in the game and he wouldn't be one of the highest earners in the college game. Um, that's nothing against Jim Tom Sula, but you know, you can see in the way that he reacted to this defeat, that it's going to be a long year for us. You know, he said, oh, we've, we've all got to stick together and keep improving. It wasn't really the, this isn't good enough kind of thing. You know, I mean, he, he said that, that obviously things have got to get better, but I was expecting a little bit more from him. I think what's so frustrating is the manner in the defeat. I mean, you can go through endless stats. The one that makes me cry the most is that no QB has thrown two pick sixes in such fast time since 1925. Uh, that's just astounding. Um, but that they were identical plays. I mean, okay, we can talk about how bad the O-line is. We can talk about how the right side of the O-line is particularly poor. We can talk about how bad Kaepernick's decision-making is on the back foot. He doesn't need to make either of those plays. And he's trying to make a, he's trying to make a play in a situation that isn't necessary. You know, we're trying to start a drive out. We're trying to get some momentum going. And you throw in off the back foot. You throw in under pressure. And... Yeah, it was very interesting. Tyrion Mathieu said after the game, it was so simple to read their game plan. And I feel like we've gone from a complex offense that confused people that Kaepernick was just about dealing with. But now we've simplified things and we've said, you know what, Colin, let's make it easy for you. And defenses are loving it because the guy's only got about four or five or six or seven different things to do. And it's not, en- it's not enough. You know, this is the NFL. This isn't just some peewee throwabout and uh it's 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 really it's really just disappointing you know we got smashed i mean the cardinals are a very good team they've been massively under underrated for a really long time but we let chris johnson chris johnson right play really really well i think he had a, a 150 yards for goodness sake um nothing nothing was good carlos hyde wasn't able to get going we didn't have anything really. Uh, we didn't have any danger. There was no real, you know, moment. There were no real moments of concern. And I think we invested a hundred million dollars in Colin Kaepernick. And I'm not saying I'm frustrated. Well, I am frustrated, but he's got to start showing that week one wasn't just a fluke. You know, we we talked about it in week one. We thought plenty, yeah, brilliant. He's gone away. He's he's come back and he's burnt, finally learned all his lessons. And now it's like he returns to his shell. You know, he's like, oh, now I know if it goes if it goes rough in a game, I know I can run. He was running a lot. I don't necessarily need to see him running a lot. And, you know, we talked about it. You said you were excellent in your analysis. You know, he starts playing like an athlete. 
No, play like a QB, please. But play like one that is actually good enough to play in this league. Because none of what I saw on Sunday night was good enough. Run over. Well, and the one note that I would like to cut in shortly and make a beautiful rant, excellent ending. You almost had me in tears a couple of times. <laughs> the one question that I do have is that did we predict a Carlos Hyde excellence prematurely? I don't know. I still think he's going to have a good season. I think we probably got a bit excited. I mean, I definitely got excited and said he was going to be a monster. And blah, blah, blah. He, he will have a good season, but I don't think it will be quite as breakout as we predicted. Or as I predicted. <sighs> oh, you had me in. I think, I, think, I think it's going to be a long season. I really do. I think we'll be lucky. This is sad to say, but I think we'll be lucky to finish a oh, oh, that's almost painful to hear, sir. Oh, goodness. It's painful to, it's painful to, be, to realize, especially when we talk about the next game, which, you know, we can talk about very briefly. Yes, and we will indeed. I'm, I really honestly, unless you've got, you know, something that you're dying to say, uh, I'm, I'm honestly just going to skip over this one. You know, Seattle do Seattle's thing where they go out and they win. Uh, you know, it, it's good to see them back in a sort of convincing performance. But for the most part, you know, Chicago, <clears throat> excuse me, they Chicago put up a goose egg. And it's not surprising at all because they have Jimmy Clausen at quarterback. I remember the days where he was one of the most highly rated college quarterbacks in Notre Dame. And now it is a tragedy that he is a starting NFL quarterback, even though even though it's by, you know, through injury. It's it, it's it's a it's uh, it's it's almost gross to watch. It's an easy win here for Seattle, who needed an easy win to really, you know, uh, pick themselves back up after a couple of poor starts. Uh, you know, especially that big week one loss to St. Louis, and that's about all there is on this one. I mean, have you? I would, I would say just one thing. I read this morning. Um, the Bears are obviously thinking about next season because they've just traded Jared Allen to the Panthers and uh, Bostic. Bostic's gone to the Patriots. Well, you see, like. You know, I've always had my concerns about John Fox. I never thought he was great at Denver. And now he's not doing great at Chicago. Obviously, a big difference, but still, yeah, Chicago. Ugh, nasty. Sorry, sorry, but family. It's, uh, it's not going to be a good one. <laughs> to my brother who nope. predicted a uh, an NFC North uh, Bears win, ha-ha, I told you so, and that's all there is to say about that. <laughs> so, big Buffalo win after what we still called a great performance, even in loss to the New England Patriots. They come out and they're back. Tyrod Taylor is indeed back. 41-14 to over the Miami Dolphins. Uh, I called oh, it. You I called did. it. You did. And what a great performance. The one thing that I have to say, because there's only a couple of notes that you really have to say about this game. It was, to a certain extent, kind of expected. Glad to see Tyrod Taylor back in it. Uh, uh, my one question here, John, is who is Carlos Williams? Uh, he's great. And why is he? <laughs> why is he earning more yards than Lashawn McCoy? Why is this a thing? Well, Lashawn McCoy still poses a threat. He's still got a TD at the backfield. I mean, yeah, it's one of those. But I mean, hey, if you're if you're a Bills fan, then you don't really mind, right? Because either way, it's going to work out for you. Lashawn McCoy is going to be motivated to be like, hold on, Carlos Williams is running for more yards than me. I need to change this. I'll up my game, which is no bad thing. And even if he doesn't, Carlos Williams is, is putting in the yards, and you know, I don't. He was he was he was amazing. Um, but I do I do have to sort of shout out my boy Tyrod because he was he was great again, and I'm I'm really pleased that it was a decision 
has worked out for Rex Ryan. And the Bills are really exciting at the moment. I don't know about you, but they're, they're just exciting to well, watch. I mean, we don't need to talk about the Dolphins. Been able to say that about the Buffalo freaking Bills. Seriously, right? But they, they've got so many players that are finally performing and looking decent. We don't need to talk about the Dolphins or how Ryan Tannehill looks supremely mediocre. But one stat. Let's see how you react to this. Tyron Taylor became the first Bills quarterback since Jim Kelly with at least seven touchdown passes and a 70% completion rate through week oh, three. Oh, wow. Wow. Jim, Jim Kelly. Jim freak. Oh, my goodness. Well, and, and so, how cool is it just to see, I mean, uh, how cool is it just to see the story of Tyrod Taylor? You know, he, he, he wastes away yeah. as a backup to a guy like Joe Flacco. He comes in. Everybody thinks it's kind of an odd call. You know, even though there are a bunch of quarterback questions at the beginning of the season about who should start, uh, you know, uh, Tyrod Taylor is backed through. I think the decision was made in, you know, uh, before the third week of the preseason. And boy, has he shown that he can handle it. I'm just delighted that my prediction for a change <laughs> was right. Oh, me. Well, and hopefully, you know, uh, all the luck to him. The Buffalo Bills are indeed a heck of a team to watch right now. You know, Tannehill and the Miami Dolphins, not so much. Um, how about Peyton Manning, though? 24-12 over Detroit. Detroit fall to 0-3. Uh, another loss. Two more, and I honestly think that their playoff dreams die here. Wouldn't you agree? I totally agree, which is a real surprise. They were not a side that I thought we were going to be talking about being winless through Week 3, but... Again, Peyton obviously does or doesn't. I'm not sure I'm even confused now about whether anybody listens to the show in terms of turning their performance around. But uh, he just, you know, we would. I, I still stand by the fact that I think it's his last season and the, the demise is coming. But I just think he's still got enough magic in there to, uh, to sprinkle it and win games. Because, you know what, 324 yards and two touchdowns with two 45 and 34-yard throws, I mean... Okay, I'll stop talking about him in a negative sense. Yeah, at some point you almost have to. And, you know, this has been three weeks in a row, or I guess really two weeks in a row, that we've, you know, we've had these questions about Peyton Manning, and then we he, he comes out and proves us wrong. You know, week one in their loss, we decide, okay, maybe he just doesn't have it anymore because he can't seem to quite get the zip on the ball. And then week two, he gets the zip on the ball and performs. And then we say, okay, well, you know what? Maybe he doesn't have the long ball anymore. And then he throws two big long ones. I mean, Peyton Manning Seriously, is proving like every week people he just, wrong. He is. Although I would say that Abdullah is proving you right. He performed well for the Lions, even in defeat. Yeah, even in defeat. You know, I, I would have liked to have seen the touchdown go to him instead of Jack <coughs> Bell. But at the same time, you know, I think Abdullah is going to come up big while Stafford is really not at the moment, which is, I mean... After being such a consistent player in the game for the Lions for the past, you know, probably five years now, six years now, you know, you're not seeing much out of him. You're not seeing much out of Calvin Johnson. You're not really seeing much out of this offense other than a bright young running back. I mean, this is a sad state of existence for the Detroit Lions right now. Well, yeah, I mean, if Akeem Tlaib can can mark Calvin Johnson out of the game, then you kind of got to be worried. I mean, kudos to Akeem Tlaib, but he ain't the youngest Youngest guy out there, and, and Johnson is obviously a shadow of what he used to be. Indeed. And in the last one, which just finished probably about an hour, hour and a half ago, Green Bay goes out and wins once again over Kansas City, who again puts in a heck of a performance even in loss. Rodgers, Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers. Five touchdowns, 
joins Peyton Manning as the only two quarterbacks, I believe it was Manning in 2013 and Aaron Rodgers now, who have thrown in their first three weeks 10-plus touchdowns and no interceptions. I mean, what a statistic for a guy who comes out once again as the leading quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, the best one I, I have, though, is that it's been, <clears throat> since he threw an interception at home, 19 regular postseason games, 580 pass attempts, and 48 touchdowns since he threw an interception at Lambeau Field. 580 48 attempts. Touchdowns. <laughs> 48 touchdowns. Unreal. The guy has got like a zen zone Well, somewhere. and he's even um, missing Jordy Nelson right now, and we'll continue to miss Jordy Nelson. And he's showing yeah, Randall Cobb. Three t- yeah, he doesn't need him. Randall Cobb puts up three TDs. Uh, hey, the guy's a, a monster. And it's against the Chiefs, who we said, you know, the game against Green Bay would be kind of defining in how they played, but it doesn't, you can't, even if you play brilliantly, it doesn't even matter. It just doesn't well, matter. Well, at this point, you know, if, if, the, if the Chiefs go out and lose, you know, 35 to 14, then all of a sudden you start to put into question those first two weeks. But the the main thing I got to say about the Chiefs here is that yes they do lose but they lose well you know uh, twenty eight points is nothing to laugh at and against a against a yeah. Packers defense that is that is strong yeah agreed you know and then that's one of the biggest issues for teams playing you know you come up against teams like Green Bay and you put in a good performance and then you're like oh but we still lost right right like <laughs> oh no well I guess it had to do with Rodgers you know. How do you how do you deal with that, right? You can't. There's nothing you can do. The guy's a monster. All right, folks, so right at the hour mark, we are on and finished with the reviews. So, of course, just like always, let's move on to the week four look ahead and preview a couple of these games. Of course, because of the way that the games fall, I want to start on Thursday with the Ravens and the Steelers. Now, this is going to be a bit of an interesting one because the Ravens are indeed 0-3, which is a franchise record that no one wants to be a part of. But <laughs> at the same time, the Steelers are, lo- are you know, they've lost Big Ben. So I think this is going to be an odd one. It's going to be low scoring because the Ravens can't put points on the board. And the Steelers have Mike Vick, and that's just, that's not so hot at the moment. But to be completely fair... I actually think that my boys, the Steelers, are going to come out with a win in this one. It's going to be tough. Wow. It's going to require a lot of big defensive stands on third down. But I think between the likes of Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, we come away with one here. Big shout. Well, the Jets are playing the Dolphins in London. So, hey, welcome to the other side of the pond. <laughs> um, the Dolphins tend to play pretty well when they come over. But to be honest with you, I think the Jets have got enough. Yeah, I know that you've been saying that they're not too great, but... I still think that they're in better form than the Dolphins, and uh, that's why I'm going to go a New York victory. Up next on Sunday uh, is the Jaguars uh, hosting the Indianapolis Colts. This is one where, for the fourth time in a row, I'm going to have to call the Colts here, and only, only because it's the Jacksonville Jaguars. If it were any other team if and the Colts were traveling to them, I might actually call into question my streak here, but not this time around. There's no way the Jags come out with a win in this one. It's probably going to be just as dirty as the Tennessee game, but Colts win. Giants, Bills. Bills, Bills, Bills. And I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about victory. And it's going to be uh, one for Buffalo because, yeah, we talked about Tyrod. We talked about well, Carlos Williams. We talked about LeSean McCoy. The list could go on. And uh, I know the Giants won and they're, they're back on the board. But, hey, man, Buffalo I think that's going to be a heck of a game, personally. 
Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be exciting. I think it's going to be relatively close, but I do think Buffalo have got it going on. Their defense is going to be all over Eli like a rash. <laughs> well, one that's not going to be close is one that's playing at the same time. The Carolina Panthers host the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. No, no, no. Jameis Winston does not impress here. Neither does Doug Martin. And Cam Newton kind of keeps the ball rolling. I think they go from 3-0 and to 4-0. and Carolina Panthers. 4-0, and man. Wow. How did the Panthers get to 4-0? Anyway. Accident. Um, Accident. Seriously. <laughs> uh, Eagles, Redskins, both 1-2. and two. Tricky to say. I would say that if the Eagles don't win this game, then it's not going to be the season that many predicted that it was going to be. If they do, then they can still consider it them to be on the right path, even though they've been wobbly. Um, but I will go with an Eagles win. Shocking, actually. No Kirk and his cousins, eh? Yeah, well, too many family mm, members. Fair enough, fair enough. All right. The Raiders and the Bears. I don't know how I got this this easy of a run. The Raiders are looking good. The Bears are looking yeah. less than awful. Raiders win. <laughs> easy. Texans-Falcons. I would also say it's a similar thing. It's in Atlanta. I think uh, Falcons are 3-0. and Yes, the Texans have a mighty defense, and they have the best defensive player in J.J. Watt, but I think Matt Ryan and Julio Jones on fire, and whoever's a running back, to be honest with you, um, Falcons win. They go to four and zero. Well, and now that I've uh, now that I've really gotten a good look at this, I I've realized that I've actually called the last two of mine, I believe, wrong in the home and away column. So we're going to remedy that right now because damn editing. So the Bengals host the Chiefs because I got it right this time. Uh, I, I think this is going to be perhaps, depending on how the rest of these games fall, one of the toughest ones of my lot. The Chiefs have had a have been a bit unlucky these past two games, uh, but the Bengals are looking real, real good. Uh, you know, starting three and zero. I, I think this is going to be a tough call. I'm actually going to go Chiefs here away, and yeah, it, it's going to be a big one. Uh, Andy Dalton's not going to play poorly. I think AJ Green's going to come out and have another good one, but I think Alex Smith and Jeremy Macklin team up for a couple of touchdowns and get a big, big, big away win. That would be big. Browns Chargers, definitely a game to avoid this week. Uh, doesn't necessarily have the Hollywood Practical seller. I were, yeah, I would almost go that far. Um, Chargers probably edit, uh, edge it, um, especially if the Browns continue to play Josh McCowan. I almost hate that I got this one for you and then it's so easy. The Packers and the 49ers. Sorry, dude. I'm glad I I can't talk about it, so you should probably talk about it. Well, I, I I think it I think it's summed up in two words. Sorry, dude. I mean, <laughs> it's uh, Packers yep. win here. I, I don't even think there's much else to say about it. I I, I think it's unfortunately so obvious. Uh, yeah, uh, Rams Cardinals. Interesting divisional uh, rivalry. To be honest, it should be a good matchup. Um, it's in Arizona. Arizona, a three and zero. They've just come off an absolute smashing of the Niners. As much as the Rams have impressed and their defense is good, Nick Foles has been a little bit erratic. Cardinals win. Vikings and the Broncos. Broncos three and zero. Vikings two and one. Tough call. Um, I, I think a lot of it's going to come down to how well the Vikings shut down Peyton Manning. He hasn't really been shut down uh, the past two weeks, but 
I'm going to go with another big call and say the Vikings win. Uh, you know, even away what? from home, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a bit of an odd one. I think I don't think Peyton's going to have a bad game. I even predict C.J. Anderson to have 75 or 80 yards, but I think Bridgewater Ooh. breaks out a little bit here. I think he puts up 250 and a couple of touchdowns. Uh, you know, Adrian Peterson is going to continue to be Adrian <coughs> Peterson, and I think the Broncos fall for the first time this season at home to the Vikings. Big call. Uh, Cowboys Saints in New Orleans. Tricky one, I have to say. This is one of those calls where I could say the Saints are going to win. You know, they're going to turn their season around. Brandon Whedon not looking that impressive for the Cowboys, but I cannot go in favor of a side that looks less than impressive um, on all sides of the ball. Even if Drew Brees does come back, I still think the Cowboys defense has got enough. that being said, they've just come off a hammering from the Falcons. Tough one to call, but I'm still going to go Cowboys. Very I close. I can't say I blame you, to be honest with you. And then the last game of the week uh, with the Titans and the Patriots, both on the first bye week of uh, the 2016. Whoo! Fuck me. I don't even know what year it is, dude. <laughs> and with the last call to predictions... With the Titans and the Patriots being on the first bye week of the 2015 season, are the Lions who go to Seattle to play the Seahawks. The Lions are 0-3. The Seahawks are at home. Yeah, that's a tricky one. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, part of me actually wants to say the Lions come out with a win here because the Seahawks have started so poorly, but I can't seem to force myself to do it. I was going to take that moment of silence to see if I might muster the courage, but I just can't. Seahawks win. It hurts, but yes. Indeed. All right, two more things we want to take care of. Uh, The new game, we've ditched pros and cons, and we're moving on to predict the record, in which I will shout 14 names to John, he will offer no explanation and leave it up to listeners to either hate him for it or love him for it. And we've got four brand new teams this week. A couple of interesting ones, especially with some of the recent happenings out of week three. So, John, are you ready? Uh, I might be, yes. We'll see. We'll see. If the morning madness hasn't already taken you, sir, then this is going to be a fun one, I believe. So, up first for Predict the Record, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, this is going to get personal. Um, hold, hold no punches, right. sir. If Ben comes back for, say, week 10, he'll probably save the season and take you to ooh, 10 and 6. And if he's back week 7? Better than that. Better than that. I like it. The non-committance. Perfect. All right. Next, <laughs> Minnesota Vikings. Oh, good start. They're until one. This is a good game. I like this game. Um, I'm going to start hiding these from you soon, so you don't even get to see in the notes what's coming up. I haven't seen oh, them, perfect. so I'm still being. <laughs> I'm surprised, which is why I'm pondering them. Um, I'm going to go fairly eight and eight, eight and eight. Okay, all right. The Tennessee Titans, Marcus Mariota. Um, mm, mm. I'd always be wary. You've thrown the curveball in by saying his name, <laughs> but in truth, uh, mm, 
Uh, six and ten. Ooh, okay. All right. I actually like that one. Um, and last but not least, <laughs> uh, interesting that we've already kind of talked about this already on this podcast. Uh, this isn't going to be the 90s, no, is it? <laughs> no, it's the uh, Baltimore Ravens. 0-3 start. Where do they end? Oh, God. That's a tough one. Um, no, I think... I think they're gonna they're gonna have to come good at some point, right? So yeah, I'm gonna go nine and seven. Mm, interesting. I think I personally would have called that one a little bit different, but I like where you're going with it, sir. That's what makes this game fun. <laughs> Just in case you have more preparation from here on out, I'm totally gonna hide those from you from now on. Okay, that's gonna be. Even tougher. <laughs> All right, and the last part that we always like doing here on the 4th and 5 NFL podcast is bridging the gap between soccer and American football. Uh, as <laughs> always, we are hosted by the wonderful Gagstandon and the Anfield Index channel. And because inevitably some of our viewership is coming from a more a more soccer-based society, uh, you know, and, and the fact that the NFL is so, is so America-centric, we always like to try and bring some sort of comparison to the table uh, in order to, like I said before, bridge that gap. So uh, i got to ask Mr. Harding, we've had a couple of good ones out of you here recently, who have you got at the moment? Well, I mean, uh, sort of thank you for your help and inspiration <laughs> with this one, but uh, I'm going to go with the Atlanta Falcons um, because they've started 3-0, and they've impressed, they've been very decent, and they've had some breakout performers in their team. Um, some players have finally, sort of, I wouldn't say finally come good, but if they've seen Julio Jones perform really, really well, and I think the best team that goes with at the moment is, is Tottenham Hotspur, which is a, a slightly strange one, but let's look at some of the facts. Tottenham have just come off a huge resounding win against Manchester City and Falcons have certainly, I wouldn't say that the Dallas Cowboys are Manchester City, but they're certainly a big team. Uh, they're America's team. So, um, <laughs> you know, and Manchester City is, is Saudi Arabia's team. So it's great to see <laughs> the, the comparison between, between the two. Um, and the Falcons have been 3-0. and Julio Jones has been uh, the best I've ever seen him. Uh, from a Tottenham perspective, Eric Lamella has been the best Tottenham fans as I've ever seen him. Uh, and Harry Kane uh, was a was a, a force last season, and he's just got back into his scoring boost this season. Um, Matt Ryan is back into his his groove uh, this season. I think there are a few comparisons there. Spurs have always been on the fringes, but never quite delivered. Um, and they've obviously been in the Champions League, just the same that Falcons have been in the playoffs. Maybe it's time that they took a couple more steps towards uh, the top. They're not going to win anything, but they'll be closer than they have been if they carry on with their current set of forms. So my comparison this week is Falcons and Spurs. I, I almost think that uh, that Tottenham fans have to be delighted with this sort of uh, with this sort of comparison, man. Uh, I mean, especially with the way that the Falcons have started. And heck of a win against City. Oh my goodness gracious. That was just a joy to watch. And I think if I'm right in, in saying, isn't the Tottenham badge, doesn't the Tottenham badge have a bird on it? It does indeed. It has a hotspur, which is uh, unknown to everyone what that actually is. There you go. So, and in truth, birds stick together. <laughs> birds do indeed stick together. All right. So the soccer to NFL team comparison that I want to bring this week is with the Houston Texans. And and the one that I want to mention, I think 
especially considering the past few seasons, uh, is probably with uh, Newcastle United, actually. Now, I will Ooh. say Newcastle have a bit more of a storied history than the Texans do. Obviously, Newcastle have been around for forever. The Texans are one of the newest teams uh, to the NFL. But if you look at if you look at recent seasons for Newcastle, uh, there's been a lot of recent glory uh, for both sides. You know, the Texans have had a couple of different playoff pushes here recently. Newcastle, I believe, it was in. I think it was 0809 where they made it into the Champions League. You have to I have to have someone on Twitter shout me and make sure that that's correct. As everyone knows, my soccer history is rather poor. But <laughs> um but yeah, you know, there's been recent glory after, you know, uh, here in recent seasons, but right now both sides are in bit of a huge fall. Uh you know, uh, Newcastle are darn near the bottom of the table and the Texans have started rather poorly trying to sort out some quarterback issues, um, you, you know, don't really have anything going in the running game uh, other than the big blue performance. Uh, but at the same time, either side, they've got some big names playing for them. You know, for Newcastle, you've got, you know, you've got guys like Musa Sissoko. You know, Yosi Perez is a, is, is a big shout there uh, as far as, you know, the youth side of things. And you've got one of the best goalkeepers uh, in the Premier League in Tim Krul. Ha, freaking Ha! On the Texans side of things, there is there's <laughs> no semblance of any sort of organization at running back. Their quarterback situation is a bit of a shambles, and yet you've got guys on the defensive side of the ball like J.J. Watt and Brian Cushing who could walk into most NFL teams and get a starting shout. So uh, there are big names to either side. And the other last one that I want to bring up is... For both of these teams, uh, you've got relatively new head coaches that are struggling to find their footing. Steve McLaren comes up from Derby County in the championship to try and prove a point with a Newcastle side, and it is not working even a little. And on the Texan side of things, you've got Bill O'Brien that clearly has not made a splash on this season. So yeah, uh, soccer to NFL, I'm going to have to go with Texans to Newcastle. Very nice work, sir. Good yes. research. Yeah. I like it. And no no judgment here about soccer expertise. You're doing just <laughs> fine, sir. Depends on who you talk to, bud. All right. So that <laughs> is the 4th and 5 NFL podcast. Week 3 reviews. Week 4 previews. Fun and games. So that is our wrap-up. First, big divisional matchups as the Ravens go to Heinz Field and the Crap Jags take on the Crap Colts. Second, the Bears have a point to prove against an invigorated Raiders team, while the Lions look to pick up their first win against Seattle. As I called, they probably won't. And third, the Pats enjoy a bye week, which means only the Buffalo Bills will be scoring 50 points. I'm Dylan Baker. I'm Jonathan Harding. And that's the game. Pick six. The heel, while the, while the, while the toe was uh, 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 in the field, in the pitch, in the field, uh, the heel had actually pick crossed. Pick six. Ooh, pick six. Pick six. Pick six. Pick, pick six. six again. Penalty after 47. penalty. 47. Oh, and four. <laughs>